Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's the Pompey Pubcast that combines the beers and the blues. Barros for Pompey, round Kushak goes down, penalty to pass with an old Trafford. Barros tripped by Thomas Kushak, who sent off Montari do the job. He steps up, left-footed, scores yes. for Pompey. They lead an old Trafford in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Jamal Lowe's onside, the flag stick down, Jamal Lowe, nonchalant, fantastic, brilliant. Portsmouth Football Club are promoted to League One. Curtis across the face of goal. This is Three Lads in the Pub. Right, here we are then. Welcome along to our brand new podcast. It's called Three Lads in the Pub. And I can confirm we are quite literally sat in a pub. We're in the Rutland Arms right now, down uh, near Fratton Park. Good uh, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're listening from. Hello, this is a brand new pubcast for Pompey. And my special guest uh, joining me each and every episode are to my left, Jeff Harris. Hello, Jeff. Hi Liam, how are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. How's your, how's your beer? It looks like it's yeah, going down it's, well. It's uh, going down pretty well. You know, I wasn't going to go for the uh, aftershock or the turbo shandy <laughs> or, or whatever else our, our followers suggested today. I'll, uh, I, I think our next guest will be getting the acres out at some point. Uh, right, still well, the Viking. How are we Unfortunately doing? not, I'm driving uh, and I will be for pretty much every podcast. <laughs> Look, I think if I'm honest, but, we're all uh, on the shandies. <laughs> <laughs> some of the suggestions were brilliant. I saw someone say, uh, just go through the taps from left to right. <laughs> Uh, that was fantastic Jaegers I think so, yeah the turbos I've gone for a pint of Guinness for the evening yeah I did see that suggestion look I'm not I'm going to be honest with you lads I'm not a drinker but I think that might change by uh, the end of the month uh, if we're doing this every single week <laughs> you have to introduce me to some real ales and stuff look uh, great to be here lads this is a bit of a uh, I say a bit of a surprise Ryan actually come to you first um, we wasn't really expecting me doing this were we well if we consider that it's Sunday uh, and you first found out about your respective future and my potential future two Tuesdays ago. Quite literally two Tuesdays ago, we had no concept that you and I would be 
uh, will no, would no longer be in the Southdown press box, let alone here. Be sat in a pub on a Sunday. Yeah, so within the space of two weeks, everything's been turned on its head and here we are in the Rutland on a Sunday night. Yeah, not complaining though, it's a good no, it's company. it's a lovely environment. Uh, Jeff, uh, you've, uh, we'll, we'll come back to that, that situation in a set, Ryan, because we, we need to obviously talk about that at the start and that we're not going to hide away from what's gone on. Um, it's, been out, it's been out there in, in the public. Uh, but Jeff, you've you've been on uh, the said radio station. We're going to talk about Express FM. You've been on there a few times. You've you featured on the Football Hours. Yeah, you know, I asked Jake the other day when I was last on there how many times I've been on. It's actually been twenty-one times that I've been on. I think I've actually been in the studio three times with Brian or, or twice or something like that. We've done, yeah. So um, so yeah, it's great to be here. You know, and, and I put that joke tweet out the other day saying about my most googled. Google search was how to make a podcast, and you text me, went, "Are you serious?" I was like, "Yeah, why not?" And then, and then here we are, a week later. It's amazing what a Twitter DM can do, isn't it? Uh, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've actually seen you for. I can't tell you the last time I saw you, Jeff. The last time, the last time I actually saw you was over a camera when we done the <laughs> end of season review back when the pandemic wow. first started. That, you know, that always always reminds me of when Jake did the first one and he was upside down. Jake's camera was upside absolutely down. brilliant, absolutely. That was a brilliant. weird way to start the lockdown football hour. <laughs> uh, but now we have the ple- uh, pleasure and uh, having you every week with us, Jeff, which is great. Yeah. Three lads in the public. Well, this is your brainchild, <laughs> you know. The, uh, obviously, Liam's hosting, and I and I'm uh, you know the talky one. But this is a product of your imagination. This podcast. Wow. All credit to yeah, Jeff then. Yeah, all, all flack my way. Whatever, <laughs> whatever way it goes. <laughs> yeah, let's get that out there. If there's anything you don't like, if you just email Jeff Harris. At, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, good, good to be here, lads. And look, let's let's talk about why we're doing this, and we'll come to why where we got the name from as well. Because a few people have asked why, where, and how we got the name, Ryan. Um, but yeah, like we said, if, you, if, you, if you're unsure of what's going on, myself and Ryan previously on uh, Pompey Live on Express FM, a show that's been around for, well, ever since I've been around, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I recently hosted the show. Ryan was uh, a pundit on there, very popular, but yeah, unfortunately, due to circumstances, we're, we're not on it anymore. And if you've seen Ryan's article, everything is explained there. So I've got no bitter feelings toward any of it. It's, it is what it is. Life moves on, Ryan. Yeah, it, it obviously stings. Um a how it was handled. B, what you know, you and I have lost. We're both Pompey fans. We were born and raised in this place. You know, a chance to represent our footballing community and our community as a whole was something we took very seriously, and we took with a lot of pride. Uh, to see that come to an end in a, you know, in, in an official media capacity was was gutting. And again, the way it was handled, I, I wouldn't even want to calculate. Uh, your numbers in your 14 year tenure on Pompey Live how many shows when you were picking up phones <laughs> or producing or even hosting for myself it's probably in the, in the two years I was on the show the numbers are probably something like 100 games 19,000 miles driven 200 hours of driving 200 on air hours probably 200 hours of research for games and one email <laughs> <laughs> Get the Jaegers out. (laughs) (laughs) Someone say Jaegers. You know, as you uh, pointed, I've had my say on my exit statement. Uh, Even with the retort that was in the news uh, the day after, I didn't comment on it at all because I I consider that I've said my piece. Um, 
and I intend to move on with my life and you know with you two on what should be a really fun podcast. So exactly, it yeah. is unfortunate, but I'm I'm delighted to be here. This is yeah. a fantastic idea. Definitely, I'm sure. Before we we're not going to mention this anymore, but I'm sure you both agree. We wish them all the best, Jake, especially great lad. Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, be a big shout out to, uh, to and Express even the new host. You and I know him. Yeah, exactly. We're not going to give that away. We'll let yeah, we'll but, let that be announced. Uh, you know, but. just good luck to those that are on there. They they didn't make this happen, yeah. uh, so they deserve the best crack at it. I hope they, you know, take pride and take sincerity in covering Pompey as, as you and I have. It is an honour, absolute honour. Honor. Yeah, there we go. But look, move on from that. Let's get to, get to the fun part. The name Jeff. <laughs> yeah, how did that come to me? Well, um, well should, you know, should we tell everyone how we both at the same time had a light bulb moment because we, we were talking about this podcast? So, so we, we were texting each other about about doing this, uh, and then and then you, I think you texted. I think I've got the perfect name and then literally it's coming up Liam is typing Jeff is typing and at the same time we put the same name in and hit send at the same time it was just bizarre and then it was just like and an idea was born I literally laughed out I really did laugh out loud (laughs) so did I you know and and my family looked at me going why is he sat in the living room in hysterics (laughs) who is she (laughs) you know the, the boys thinking who's he texting um, so yeah so you know it, it, we had that light bulb moment like we said you know we'll go back and I'll use one of Ryan's favourite people that he always mentions Momentum Mo Big Mo <laughs> Big Mo was in the house that day and over the last you know the last week this is just you know the amount of followers we've got on social media across you know Instagram Facebook and Twitter you know it's just taken off and everyone's interested and, and that, I think that's really good to see I think people want honest football opinions and I think with us three from what they know of us three being on the you know Pompey Live or, or the football hour they know we will give an honest opinion exactly but that's all very nice Jeff but how do we get the name well you know <laughs> if, if, as, as I always say you know listen to all honesty rumors. is the best policy yeah, Jeff come on the best policy. listen to all rumours and believe none you know is one of my favourite phrases but allegedly uh, you guys were called it's like listening to three lads in the pub um, which I think actually Portsmouth being kind of a northern city down south people like three lads in the pub yeah. kind of vibes on the radio station what, so, what I was thinking sorry what I was thinking about when I first heard of this uh, comment being reportedly made I was just thinking back to the fact that outside the Frogmore Road entrance to the ground where the old ticket office, uh, ticket office used to be that used to be a pub called the Pompey <laughs> yeah. and if I'm mistaken didn't a, a couple of former players used to work bar at that pub? I believe so. So you've got. I know players, I'm old. I'm not that old. So you've got players, <laughs> you know, former players of this club who used to work at a pub called the Pompey at the ground. Uh, if a comment, you know, if that comment is very much verified in its accuracy, it seems a very naive comment to make because there's been a pub outside Fratton Park for God knows how many years well, but if, if you go back to that Bawley team that got promoted they were all in the pub weren't they yeah. there was literally 16 lads in the pub yeah. when, you first, when you first told me about this this comment Jeff I don't know whether to take it personally or not but when you, th- you sit there and think about it this you know, alleged comment is actually right we are, we are three well worse three fans just sat, literally sat in the pub talking about our football team. That's what we are. We're fans. Yeah. We're not. Look, we have. We all have aspirations to go far in radio and talk about football. But we were very lucky to be in the position we were in talking about our football club. Yeah, we are. We are three lads sat in the pub. It, it was a bit of an insult, really. But look, perfect podcast name. So yeah, thank you very much. Is. And you can look at it two ways. You can either look at it as a derogatory comment, or you can look at it as a compliment. 
Yeah. It's up to you how you look at it. it you know, and, and as I always say, you know, take negativity and turn it into a positive thing. And I think over the last two weeks, we have shown it can be a positive thing. Definitely. I think the fact we're sat here uh, proves we've just taken it into a positive and made something good out of it. And the amount of people at home baying on Twitter going... Will you shut up and get on with the podcast? We don't want profile pictures. We don't want snappy hashtags. We all know it's fine. Yeah. No more announcements. Just talk about George Hurst. <laughs> Do you know what, going back to what you said about we know it's Ryan, I've had that, that question a few times. How did you know who the third person was? Yeah, um, if I'm honest, we, we kind of... We, we kind of did know because okay, we're going to talk this is, this is being honest we knew we knew we, I knew behind the scenes that someone else was going from the show you know not long after well I found out and this is no disrespect to Jake Jake's a great lad but Ryan you, you're well, 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 well known for being well spoken I think that was, that was definitely behind the decision of you not being there so without confidence that you weren't going to be on it anymore that's why you're on it <laughs> well I remember the first time we found out it was about an hour before we went on air for Cheltenham uh, you and I were sat in your car at the at the North Stand car park almost crying when Liam we? when Liam found out and he was quite gutted and rightly so and you know I'd found out my future was on the line and I said to him well I'm probably going a week after you and I but to be fair, I was completely wrong when I said I'd be going a week after you. I actually went six days and 12 hours after Liam, <laughs> after Liam did. So I was a whole 12 hours out. I'm, I'm slipping, if I'm being honest. That's what, that's what being a dad does to you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's, let's completely... We've been talking for 12 minutes and we've already been talking about um, the, the situation at the radio. But let's move on from that. Let's talk football, shall we? Because that's what we're here for. Um, first of all, Jeff, really, the first question for you... I've never really asked you a question regarding Pompey, but how are you feeling at the moment being a Pompey fan? Do you know what? I think eight weeks ago, I had totally fallen out of love with the club. I really had. And, 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 and I mean that in the right way. I, you know, I've had the opportunity to speak to Danny Cowley and Andrew Cullen and, you know, various other people at the club face to face. And I sincerely believe in what they're saying. Um, and, and, and for whatever reason... We, we just kind of what was being said and what was translated on the pitch were two different things. Um, the performances weren't right, or they were right. You know, if you, you look back and you look at that Sunderland game and you think, wow, you know, has the team really clicked? And then it was just, well, mediocre. Eight goals followed against yeah, Sunderland. Yeah, you know, and then in the, in the space of two weeks, we conceded ten goals in three games, and you just like, what's going on here? You know, it wasn't for the lack of trying, but I think in recent weeks, you can see that change. I know Danny brought in um, Brian Wood, you know, ex-soldier, talk about leadership. Um, That's obviously something I can resonate with. And, and, you know, inspiring people to do, do the best in extreme circumstances. And I think, I think there has been a culture change. I think the players are taking some ownership now. That, that result yesterday, I know we'll talk about it later, but that result yesterday, I think, typified that change that culture change in what we're wanting and, you know we, we just want teams to work hard that's the basis isn't it yeah let's be honest obviously Ryan we, we, we have the privilege of watching Pompey well, I say privilege this season I don't want to call it that <laughs> we, we've seen Pompey play week in week out we've not, we've not seen like Jeff was talking about we've, we've seen no leader on that pitch the team, the team doesn't seem to have gelled yet um, but well, hopefully that has now changed. But yeah, what's gone? What's gone wrong, or what's not gone right? 
think at every level at the club this season, there's been something that has gone wrong. If you were just pinpointing one area, you can divert all your resources, all all mind and matter that you can muster into resolving that issue. Realistically, when you are thrown into these finicky little things called global pandemics, that should throw up a lot of questions you can't answer. But I feel that this season, we've got more questions to answer as a football club than we did last season when the stands were empty, no one knew what the future of football was in general. We're on the back end of that now, and yet we've got more questions, which we haven't really answered to an acceptable level. You know, we've got issues on the pitch, which, yes, we're 10th at the moment, but once the international catch-up is done, we probably slide back into the other side of mid-table. The match day experience at Fratton Park was a- an atrocity to begin the season. There were fans, you know, games were 75 minutes long for some fans, depending on when they actually entered the ground. Uh there's the other element of the Tony Goodall's fan conferences that have had some recent uh, weird exchanges that, you know, one meeting was was delayed by eight days in terms of its minutes being published because the PST and the club were arguing over what got put out. That's a bad look between the relationship of the fans and the, the hierarchy. And then even, even using the media as a medium, you've got Andy Cullen and and Michael Eisner coming out and saying well we've backed Danny Cowley with a substantial budget and then every time a player goes down injured Danny Cowley comes out in the media and says well everyone knows we've been working with a limited budget so you've even got then the manager and the you know the higher echelons of the club presenting different sides of what they feel the budget was for this season now they're indirectly firing shots at each other going you've had enough of a budget to be higher than you are and then Cowley's coming back with well, you gave me a third of a budget to sign 15 players. It wasn't that much, was it? And that's been going on for four months now. The latest was when Ryan Tunnicliffe had his, uh, I believe it was his hamstring injury. And at the end of that particular article, Danny went, well, we've been severely limited in terms of budgeting this year with the ongoing stadium works and this and that. This injury has not helped matters. For, for people who put those little things together and then you add up the TGFC, the matchday experience, the performances on the pitch you look at how the club has performed overall from august to november today and you just think which issue can you actually resolve first because there is just apathy permeating yeah. the entire island of portsmouth it's that near what is your nearest crocodile to the canoe isn't it and, and it's, yeah and it just seems to be you know it's like that scene in james bond when he runs across all the you know the alligators and stuff you know which one is it <laughs> Um, I thought you were going to give us a spoiler then to the new film. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but you know, it's it's. I, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, there's a part of me that thinks that Danny is saying that to position himself ready for the January window. Oh, of course, he's yeah. Say, he's saying I need more. I was fortunate, as I said earlier. Um, he came to the, the Armed Forces branch AGM, and and actually Andy Cullen himself talked quite openly about transfer budgets and and all that, and and. During that meeting, he seemed quite relaxed about it, but he did caveat it with the, you know, we could always do with two more. And I think that's where he's at. You know, he always wants two off. To be honest with you, I think we are three players away from being a really decent side in League One. You've got to put him in that right position. But if you need a 20 goal season striker, you have to pay for that. That's the problem, isn't it? Especially in January. That's the problem we're, we're experiencing at the moment, the striker issue. Because, I mean, we could talk for an hour about that. 
that is got to, that's got to be a priority in January. I know strikers are hard to, to find Ryan in League One especially, but that's got to be the priority. I think one of the biggest misses of the season was the very first name, the very first name that was linked with Pompey after the final whistle was uh, blown at the end of last season. I think it was, what, 36 hours after the Accrington game where Scott Twine was linked with the club and continued to be so for in the region of a month. Now, considering some of the reported wages that players are earning at this club that we've brought in, you have to question what stopped us from getting a guy like Twine in who has been absolutely ripping it up at MK Don. You knew it would happen. Uh, yeah, of course. You you get linked with a name like that. You think you've got out early in front of the rest of the chase impact. You do have a bit of budget to play around with, with it being your first acquisition of the summer. And, of course, it peters out to nothing. And we've spent the rest of the window really looking for someone to fill that position. In the end, it came down to basically a deadline day signing of Miguel Aziz to play in what would have been Twine's role for the season. And uh, Aziz has started one game. You know the the what we could have had and what we do have, which is no offence to Aziz, but Aziz is not a battle-hardened, league-tested professional. Scott Twine won Player of the Season at Newport despite being there for half a season. <laughs> he wasn't there from January till May, and they still thought he was the best thing they had. Where have we heard that before? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, ah, Ten Bompson. Uh, what was his name? Uh, <laughs> Well, let's not get started on that. I can't, I can't be asked for that. <laughs> We've dealt with that for how long? Uh, two oh. years now. And the, the, the amusing thing about his contract is up in the summer. Oh, don't, so there will don't. be an article a uh, day. I can just see it now. After people hearing this, they're all on Twitter straight away. You know, we just about the scoring. But let's not forget that those front three, Harness, Marquis and Curtis, have been here for over two seasons. They weren't just misfiring this season. It was happening last season, especially in, in Kenny's reign. It was happening then. We all said it then. And I, and I think it's been exasperated by the fact we've had such, so much transitional players come in. We're in a transitional season that the issues we had last season are just, just magnified by 10 this season. We seem to wipe out the stories of last season to rewrite the narrative for this one. I, after the the 1-0 victory over Bolton where Mark was scored, we heard the bi-weekly uh, rendition of that goal will do his confidence a world of good. <laughs> We've been saying that for two years <laughs> and it hasn't worked. At some point, that goal will do his uh, confidence a world of good when he signs for Exeter next season or someone like that. Best yeah. of overs. Yeah, I, I just don't see a, a world where Marquis genuinely picks up this confidence people have been claiming he'll he'll get within the half season that I he think has just, remaining it just summed, summed him up in the, the game in the, against Harrow it's just some of the chances were just uh, criminal yeah Th- those two open goals one he just didn't show enough instinct to get to the back post the other he yeah kicks it from a yard uh, yeah it was it was a poor overall showing at Harrow God, isn't it nice to be able to say what you want and not get told off right <laughs> There's going to be someone in a Portsmouth FC jacket that walks in the door. Yeah. We purposely haven't disclosed where we are, just in case. Sweeney will be coming in a minute. Jeff, an honest answer for this next one. This is a question that I wouldn't ask. You can tell we're in a pub. We're sat right next to the toilet. Uh, this is a question I wouldn't have asked on the radio. That stinks, because. mate. <laughs> 
because I know I would have just got an earful for saying it or asking it and this is the sort of thing when you know people don't want it well like the club don't want us asking be honest do you think we've gone backwards as a club in the last couple of years that, I say last season well if I'm honest you know I put on social media I think when we lost to to Oxford in, you know in the playoffs I thought that was the time when Kenny should have gone I think that was the time it should have been freshened up um, new challenge new, new manager and all that have we gone backwards I think it's a hard one you can argue yes and you can argue no depending on what side you look at it yes we're in a transitional season we all get that we want the team to to fight we want the team to to leave nothing you know on the pitch go out go out there and just express yourself give it all your energy and everything else um so i think if you look at it up to this point i would say yes i'm hoping that you know when we get to april may that we can sit here and go do you know what we actually did turn it around i said on the football hour two weeks ago so we always have a slump in this this kind of period. Then we pick it up, and then we have a little bit of a tear off again. And then we pick it up again, you know. So if history does repeat itself, I'm I'm expecting us to have a good December, going to January, and then we kind of tail off again. But historically, October, November, we do we we kind of have a late resurgence and take that take that in. How about you, Ryan? And I'll, I'll add in. I mean, off the field as well. There you go, a bit of controversy. I think uh, I think everyone expects me to say we've gone backwards. In a weird way, I think we've gone... I think we've stayed at an even keel. Because the hierarchy have committed to... We'll not call it a, a redevelopment of the stadium. Because it's come out since that they didn't do their due diligence properly on the stadium. And the failure to redevelop the north stand, the south stand, will result in a capacity drop to eight to ten thousand people. Is what they said. So it's clearly not a redevelopment. This is work that keeps the doors open. On that basis, it doesn't really progress the club. It may do in the future if we get to the Premier League and we can get a shiny new north stand. But the work that's being done at the minute isn't to progress the stadium. It's to keep the is to keep every single door and every single seat open and available so on that basis even kill now the training ground is where you would probably tip it over the edge and say that's a boon that's positive for the club because for the first time ever Portsmouth Football Club owns its own training ground that is matter of fact what we do with it is another question because there are still problems with the academy I heard that not too long ago one of the age groups was still training at Horndean which is ridiculous. Yeah, they actually do. They, they train for my, my son's which football match. Which is obscene. Obviously, they're, they're wanting to resolve that, but that's still the current nature of what's going on. So you'd think the training ground would tip over the edge, but then you consider we're in a transi- uh, transition season, which, like Jeff, I fully accept is the scenario. I get the club can't really come out and admit it because that would hurt season ticket sales, but you surely have to set at least some sort of objective for the season you can't just sort of come out and say well we'll hope for the best and see what happens then you consider the overall quality of depth and the the quantity of depth of the squad in this season is far worse than what it was last season whatever you make of the earful trophy and for most Pompey fans isn't a lot but whatever you make of the trophy your progress in that trophy is normally indicative of the depth you have the quality of depth you have because you're able to send out a second 11 
and get through it, no worries. Which is why Pompey stormed to the final the other year, because the depth we had that year, we weren't playing brilliant football, but the second eleven was going out and, you know, ham and egging all these sides that came in the way. It's required a George Hurst 93rd minute winner against Crystal Palace young lads to scrape through in second place after two horror shows against women yeah, and Sutton. Yeah, I think that's a good marker of the depth of this side, which we've gone back with in terms of this season. I would also consider the fans' relationship with the club to be an indicator of how much the club has progressed. Now, the fans' relationship with the club, including recent events, which has led to us sitting in this pub right here, right now, <laughs> has definitely gone backwards. So there's been some progress, there's been some things that have stayed even kill, and there have been some things that have gone backwards. Overall, I think if you quantify it all, we're <coughs> probably even kill. But that's not... I, I wouldn't call even kill a good thing. I, no, it, if you promise progress, you at least have to make a 5% gain. You say even killed, but is it that we've stalled? We've plateaued out, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, we, we've stag <coughs> stagnated would be another word yeah. for it. Yeah. You know, and so so you'd be looking, Danny has said, judge him over three windows. Realistically, is he going to get back in January? Now, that, 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 that's, that's where either the fans are going to fall back in love with the club or the fans are going to... You know, separate from the club even even further in January, because if Danny doesn't get back in January, or he has to sell to generate funds, but realistically, what players are we going to be able to sell to generate funds? You can't even pay players off because that that money still comes out your first team playing budget. So you're in a no-win situation. Who is our most bankable assets at the moment? You're probably looking at Harness. His his form is yes, he's, he's in a you know vein of form now. But he, he's quite hit and miss. Um, you know, Curtis... Quite hit and miss? <laughs> <laughs> now we're being honest. Oh, oh, how frustrating. But yeah, carry on. But you know, <laughs> well, you know well, he's, he's, he's probably the, one of the most technical players we've got. Yeah. And, and you think he's going to do that moment of brilliance, and he stops. And you're like, why well, have you stopped? You had the beating of your man there. What, what, you could have just taken it on or squared it. You, you know... Look there, the goal yesterday. He nearly messed that up, uh, didn't he? It, you know, it seemed to it seemed to fool Stockdale that he took a touch because Stockdale <laughs> fell over when he took that touch. I thought he he was expecting him just to blast it in. Yeah, I think he was expecting to blast yeah, it. In. Yeah. Um, but anyway, digressing. But but you know, if Danny isn't back in January, I I think there's going to be serious disenchantment between the fans and the, I and the actually right I actually feel sorry for Danny Cowley because you can see what he can you, you, you can connect with him you know what he wants to do you, you know he's we saw it when at the back end of last season when he came in for how many games is it 12 you could see what he was trying to do and it, and it worked for the first few games and then I'm sorry but the team let him down the team yeah, let him down team like, the attitude in some of those games and you could uh, if, if we can play like that enveloping yeah. Charlie Daniels <laughs> Who's <laughs> tail-ending career? That performance at MK Dons, where he was just, and I believe a week later at Swindon, I believe he gave away penalties yeah. in back-to-back games. He was just swinging old man legs out. Half a time. <laughs> yeah, you can, like I say, you can see what they they're trying to do, and you can you can connect with them, and you know what they want. But I just I feel sorry for him. I really do. I just don't well, think I personally don't think he's been backed as well as we're being told. When he came in for this job, some people called it a poison chalice. I don't agree with that because 
if you look at the analogy itself, a poisoned chalice is something you drink that's been poisoned. You don't knowingly drink poison. So the analogy of poison chalices, you think you're walking into a good job, but secretly there's dangers in there. Pompey isn't a poison chalice because you know it's poisoned. Because you don't knowingly see poison in the glass go, I'm drinking that. Any manager who walks into the club these days knows what the challenges are, knows what the problems are. Danny and Nicky have fronted up the issues that face them at this club and they've taken it head on. They weren't surprised by any of this. I fully believe they walked in here knowing the size of the task ahead of them. Inherently, with a football club like this, you also know the size of the prize because this fan base is now seeing five years of League One football, which I don't think was part of the plan. And given the way the season's going, I had this from day one, even when we had three clean sheet wins in a row, I had us finishing in the middle eight of the league. That's nine through 16. When we opened up with three clean sheets, that didn't change my mind. When we had, what, three wins in 16, didn't change my mind. My mind still hasn't changed after yesterday. We will be on the outside looking in. As Jeff quite rightly points out, what's the next step? Do we try and risk it in January for a chance, an outside chance at a playoff place? Or does this club, without saying it in these words, give up the fight and plan for next season? Well, that's what Lincoln done, didn't they? Link, before, I say before Lincoln became good, um, you know, that's being you know, doing them a disservice. But Michael Appleton said, let's buy the players now and, and give them half a season now, ready for next season. And I think Portsmouth need to take that approach. They need to say, right, this season's over. We'll finish, I hope, eighth, you know, at best. I think, I think we'll get eighth and no higher. You know, I hope, hope to be wrong. But we should be looking at it and saying, can we get those players in now that maybe are at, you know, lower end championship clubs, six months to go. Oh, yeah, that's that guy again, isn't it? Um, not going to mention his name. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know get them in because a deal could be done you get them in on a six month loan with a view to give them a permanent contract in the, in the summer but is it a risk I don't think it is because if you can start building for next year in January then go for it you, you, you've then got you haven't got to do the rebuild in the summer months and everything else because they've had half a season to, to rebuild and you know and we may kick on I think the only element of the risk is if you sign someone in January specifically for the purposes of going on a push to uh, a push to the playoffs next uh, this season obviously next season that player that you sign in January or whoever you sign in January takes up some of the budget for next season so it's a case of do you want to leave as much money as possible next season to clear out the perceived deadwood within the club and then tell Danny Cowley we gave you about a third of the budget to sign 15 players l last season. This season, you've got two-thirds of the budget. Go out there and sign whoever the hell you goddamn need to and take us to the top six. So, do you, you know, does the club risk it in January and shoot for the stars, or do you give Cowley the best shot he'll ever have at a top six finish and say, 66% of the budget, you don't need an entire team, go for it because let's be honest here Jeff J Kenny Jacket was backed financially was backed. I, d I don't believe that, that Cowley's ever you look at saying... the recent um, money that we spent on Marquis and Harness oh, you it was saw confirmed it on the we spent about £2 million 
on those players alone. And look at the signings that, that Cowley's had to make on well, free transfers and, and loans. Yeah, I don't think we've, we paid a transfer fee under Dunning County, did we? I don't know people say... I believe Joe Morrell was 100k, but again, 100k compared to Mark was for a million. I know people will say, oh, well, Sheffield United, they went all the way without spending money, they got free transfers. Well, you know, you, you there's do, good players out there, you've got to pay for them. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can look back to when we went up to the Premier League. You know, how he done the same. Sold Crouch and he, you know, that, that furnished... Crouchy. Yeah, that furnished, <laughs> the, you know, that, that team getting promoted. Look, you know, it's either the players that Kenny signed on a hell of a lot of money, and I mean big money, that took up the majority of the budget. Like Michael Jacobs being one example. He's Jacobs. reportedly on five grand a week and he sits that that bench seat. He's been earning it's, that cash on that bench seat. Yeah, we, we, we asked Danny this, this question at the AGM and we said, and, and you know, Spencer brilliant just went, got a question. Yeah, Michael Jacobs. And just <laughs> left it at that. <laughs> you know, and Danny Con looked at him and went, what did you say? He said, he, and then, you know, obviously we went on to say, you know, probably again, one of the most intelligent players we've got in the club. He's played obviously at a higher level. Um, so why isn't he in the team? And, and Danny came out and said, we play with a high press, you know, we don't believe that's in Michael's, Michael's skill set. He's, he's missed pre-season. And you kind of go, okay, I understand that. But if you look at the, the recent performances over the last five weeks, have we really played a high tempo press? Have we, have we done it? No, we haven't. I keep seeing our opposition so, do what we want to be. Y- yeah. That defeat of Burton on a Tuesday night, I know Burton are heavily flawed, they haven't had a great season, but that singular performance when they beat us 2-1 at their place, that was exactly what my perception of what Danny Cowley says we need to be intense from the front yeah. moving the ball quickly into the front and, three but have we done it no I, I asked this question on Pompey Live where is that high press we were promised but is that is that Cowley or is that the players no no, I've, I've kind of got it in the back of my head we set out that way and if you if you listen to Danny's interviews and he talks about Matt Reed at Lincoln and he talks about how Matt Reed was probably the most unnatural number 10 we, he, he, he had um, and you look to okay, what have our recent performances been built on the back of? You look at you look at the the, the EFL game. You look at the game yesterday. What kind of centre forward have we got up front? We've got a target man up front, and we kind of is are the Cowleys reverting not back to type? I think that again, that's you know a discredit to them, but reverting back to they know what works. They see Hurst as that Matt Lee type figure. Can they? Can they get some run of results under the belt? Can we progress up the table? The further up the table we get, are the board going to release some money because we're further up the table, we're in charge of the playoffs? Is that, you know, if that's the case, then great. But, you know, come out and say it. You know, the high press tempo wasn't working. We've tweaked it. Yeah, I don't think there's no shame in changing something for, for the sake of trying to rectify your season. Or, or at least changing a match plan to to match up against an opponent or to target their weaknesses. The, the typical example of that be MK Dons and Plymouth, two of the most unique sides in the division in the way you play football. I think sometimes there's no shame in saying our match plan does not suit them and we put ourselves at a disadvantage if we just stubbornly stick to it. Sometimes it is good to adapt in football. Adaptability is a key trait in football. And sometimes, yeah, I think you're right, sometimes we've stuck a bit too stubbornly with what we've known. A, because injuries and performances have dictated it, and B, because we've been scrambling around trying to find something that works. 
the MK Dons game was a particular example of this. They've got this front three and a middle four behind it that spends, you know, most of the game in your own third trying to get the ball off you. If you're not a great passing team, why are you trying to pass through that? Just send one long ball into the space behind, just beyond the halfway line, and let someone like Kurtz and Harness get on it, onto it and start running it. 47-year-old Dean Lewington yeah. who is not going, not going to be able to live with that for 90 minutes in a game and the best chance Pompey had in that game was one 45-yard pass from Bazunu to Williams another 40-yard pass from Williams to Curtis and he was in one-on-one we spent 60 minutes trying to play pretty passes around them as soon as we did the one thing that Milton Keynes can't defend we had a one-on-one that, that adaptability in football is not something that teams employ enough and I think we've been a victim of that. And, and you, said, you mentioned the Burton game earlier. I think, you know, the case in point was when we, we conceded that first goal and we, it was bad conditions and, and Lee Brown, and I think it was, I can't remember who was playing it back, it was Williams, played that. Yeah, he, he had, sold him short it, on he it. He sold him short. Yeah. But we, you were watching it going, just knock it down the line. Yeah, That's he had the gap. Do. That's all you got to do, knock it down the line. And, and, and again, we asked him that question, but it, get, it, it goes back to football intelligence. Yes, they've been told they want to play out from the back. But sometimes, and we talked about it earlier, lack of leadership, lack of leaders on the pitch. Sometimes you're like, do you know what? I'm putting my foot through this. Curtis, you, you get down <laughs> the The Roy Keane vibes there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to smash into somebody. <laughs> just to make me feel they, better. They were my Sunday league days. Uh, you, you know, but, but just put it down the line. Put it down the line. If you're in trouble, put it down the line. Don't worry about playing it out from the back or, or whatever. And, and we lost that Burton game because we were sticking to the principles that the Cowleys had told them. Now, there's nothing wrong with that if you get away with it. As soon as you start conceding mistakes, you got to be. You would expect the captain of the team to go, hold on, lads, this ain't working. I'm the skipper out here. We're going to do this. And that's what they need to do. And, be, be honest. Like I said, I asked you earlier, is, who is the leader on the pitch? There, is, you, there, isn't a, there isn't a Michael Doyle sort of type player on that pitch. You mean you have someone who leads by actions or leads by words. Who in the team leads by either? I, do you know what? I would give it, I would give it to the, the player that gets the most frustrated. I'd give it to, I would give it to someone like Ronan Curtis. The issue, is, yeah. club, the issue is, without really mentioning that he was now the club captain, Clark Robson was the club captain. Yeah. He was wearing the armband and he got injured. Did he... But no one announced that he was club captain. Yeah. And no one reported that when he got injured, oh, there, there goes our new club captain. I mean, I want to give it to Sean Raggett. <laughs> oh, well, he's, uh, my name's Sean Raggett, <laughs> and I play for Paul. So, uh, I'll speak like this, because there's, there's, there's a gap in my teeth. Um, I've had this gap for years. Um, <laughs> so the amount of times he's done that the way back for the way game. <laughs> he's, he's got a whole, whole repertoire, hasn't he? Yeah. I think that actually bolsters Pompey as a defence, because really... If you're a forward, you want to be able to spot fear in the defender's eyes when you run at him. But when you see, you know, buck-toothed Sean Raggett with a hole in his face going, oh, I'm going to smash you, <laughs> you realise you realize he's not afraid of anything. No. And no. he, you know, we laugh and joke about the gap in his... He's been the most consistent oh, performer this year. He's, he's My player of the season player, so far. You know, oh, yeah. From a player that... <laughs> he is heavily flawed when it comes to defending on the deck. If a player switching the ball between his feet, looking to open up a shot, he can't do it. But in the air, in the air, one-on-one aerial battle, I've not seen a better defender in the past season 
consistently in the air. A real, a real for me, a real centre back is one that will come away with a cut on their face after every game. That is Sean Raggett. He he, he just he, throws he himself, does, he throws does, his body on the line. I love him. And I think yesterday, you know, he he literally threw his body on the line in the, in what the sixth minute of injury time to stop that goal going in. You know, your heart's in your mouth. You think this. Is- All right, he does scare the living daylights out of me when he tries. <laughs> every time he touches the football, <laughs> it's like the HMS Queen Elizabeth turning. <laughs> <laughs> But look, he's brilliant. He is. And, like, yeah. Oh, we have to mention this. How does he? Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is his... this is brilliant. This is Pompey Twitter at its finest. They've uh, Pompey fans. Fair play because that that's the best thing I've ever seen on Twitter. They hijacked a five-a-side, uh, basically tweet from the FA Cup. Uh, who else in there? John Terry's in there. Is no, there's Petr Cech. There's Patrick Vieira. I believe uh, there's Thierry Henry and Thierry Henry. And Dennis Bergkamp. Uh, <laughs> and, and then the, Sean Raggett. Sean Raggett at the back. <laughs> The, the ultimate five-a-side Apparently, he beat Terry and Bobby Moore Fantastic. In, the, in the poll. So, well done, Pompey Twitter. Yeah. Uh, he, is a, he is a forward defender. Again, on the deck, I don't really trust him when a, a defender a, no. a forward's running at him with the ball because he, he gets his ankles crossed up too often. But in yeah. the air, I've, how often... I. When I go to bed at night, all I hear is Andy Moon going, a ragged wins the header. <laughs> and you just say that... 20 That's times my alarm in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and Raggett wins the header. I hear I'm that a bit all concerned Andy Moon's in your bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't complain. <laughs> uh, look, let's let's talk, talk talking of Raggett, let's talk about that incident yesterday, Jeff. Obviously, I'm, I'm sure you saw the game. I feel, I feel for Raggett. That was never a penalty. He won, it, he it won the ball. You, know, if you read the articles and, and the ref said there was no contact at the other end. There blatantly was contact at the other end. I think we should have had a penalty. Oh, well, um, Ainsworth you know. said we should have had it. Exactly. And Ainsworth, Ainsworth admits it, nothing. You know, um, we should have had a penalty. So, you know, I can see, again, I can see, you know, Danny said it as well. I can see why, being a, being a qualified ref, I can see why that, that was given for a high arm and he went down. I think if his arm's down by his, but you know, down by his side, I don't think that is a penalty. I don't think, don't think the ref will get it. He'll just say he ran into him, you know, and everything else. But yeah, that, that for me wasn't. No, no chance. Uh, but Ryan, great result. I mean, let's let's be honest. Out of the three of us, who expected us to come away with a win yesterday? Nobody. Not me. Nobody. Uh, was it was it Pompey Carlo said he was going to eat Westwood's he, uh, hat? Westwood's oh, hat. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I think you must have had a word with the team. So no one wants to do that. Let's be honest. With that game. Uh, obviously delighted we won it's a tough place to go at the best of times Adams Park and I think yesterday when you consider that Wickham hit the post twice they had one cleared off the line they missed a penalty they had all these chances Pompey did ride their luck a bit but something that we've been citing them for through the course of this season is application it's hanging in there it's riding with the bumps and the bruises they did that they did battle hard the question I have now, and I, have, I absolutely understand that everyone's excited after yesterday that it might be a turning point. A lot of people saying it's, it is a big win. It's not a big win yet. A big win is contextualised by what you do after the Great. big win. Great. And I'll give you an example of that. Sunderland is no longer a big win. Sunderland, 4-0, Fratton Park should have been a big win. But then... You go and ship four to Rotherham, you ship four to Ipswich, you draw of Accrington, you draw a Cheltenham. Sunderland's no longer a big win in the context of this season. It's, it's a freak just, result. It's a freak result uh, in, an, in an anomalous part of the season. Let's be honest, the weather won that game for us. Yeah, whoever mastered the conditions <laughs> wins that game. So the thing with Wickham now, it's a great win in a context of itself, but is it a big win? The only way you find out is 10 games down the line in January 
or when you get to March, April, and you look at your league position, and you look at what did Wickham start? What did Wickham lay the foundations of? It's only a big win if you do something about it. We play a flawed, slightly troubled Wimbledon side next Saturday. If you go out and mess the bed on that one, like we did against Rotherham and Ipswich, Fulham and Sunderland game, Wickham's no longer a big win. It's just a nice away day for the fans. Did you hear what Gareth Ainsworth said after the game in his interview? If you didn't, here's what happened. For me, you look at the big picture, as always, and to do that to a Portsmouth team, I think shows how far Wickham have come or are Portsmouth not what they were? And, and that's that's the question you've got to ask, but I think it's the former. I think it shows how far Wickham have come. You know, we're, we're better than we've ever been. So there we go. That was what Gareth Ainsworth had to say after he put his dummy back in uh, <laughs> after, after the game. Uh, Actually, that was one of the drink suggestions <laughs> I Sam forgot to mention. Everyone was like, oh, the drink of choice for this evening is surely just a pint of his tears. <laughs> <laughs> looked like a great, by the way, before I come back to it, it like a great away day. Even that, Where's that pub everyone goes to before the game? I believe it's the White Horse. Why is, why is it so popular? Uh, I believe some of the females there are um, <laughs> uh, not clothed as much as your average bear. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to put it out. I'm just going to book uh, Wickham away next season if it happens. <laughs> <laughs> but look, following what Gareth Ainsworth said there, what 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 was your reaction to that? How you know is it? Does it show how far Portsmouth have come or uh, Wickham have come? Or is that what, what? What's your what's your reaction to what he said? I think it's a little bit of neither because sometimes uh, a way that a team plays dictates how hard that place is to visit. Sometimes it's not the stadium or the fan base that makes it hard uh, makes a place hard to visit. It's it's the way a team plays. It's the culture that permeates that football club, which makes it a tough place to visit. Under the charge of Joey Barton, Highbury Stadium was still a four four and a half thousand capacity stadium, which still had five hundred empty seats or terrace places. But under Joey Barton, Fleetwood were always a tough team to play because they were niggly. They knew how to play not the game, but in you know in speech marks the game. You know the art of gamesmanship. Highbury Stadium was a tough place to visit because of that. Adams Park is not a tough place to visit because they're a massive football club. It's a tough place to visit because they're run by Gareth Ainsworth and his particular style of football. I saw something a while back that when uh, Rotherham and Wickham played each other in October, the 90-minute game of football, the ball, the ball was in play for 39 minutes. <laughs> you do not get value for money there. So it is a slowed-down game. It is niggly. There is a lot going on. There's a lot of arguing, a lot of remonstration with the officials. That's why it's a tough place to play. I can understand the point he makes in terms of a Wickham progressing, Pompey regressing, but in the context of itself, I think it's more of the personalities of the, the teams and the managers that face each other off. It goes back to the comment earlier that you made earlier about changing our style to suit the situation. I put on social media yesterday... Pompey have done a Wickham to Wickham. Yeah. You know, and there was that disgruntled Wickham fan saying, oh, I, yeah. I know what we are, <laughs> but watching this Danny Cowley side, you know, they're time wasters and this and the other. But it's it bloody just, rich. You know. <laughs> but, but we it, won. But it goes back to your point earlier. We changed our style to a more combative style yesterday and we got a result from it. There you go. You, you know, whereas I think up until that point, we haven't. We've just gone high press, high tempo, yeah, that's probably the reason why we haven't conceded until, um, you know, we we conceded at nine minutes in that game. I think it was Bolton or whoever. No, it wasn't Bolton. can't remember who it was. 
Cheltenham. Cheltenham. When they scored about yes. six minutes in. Yeah, you know, that's the first time that's the first time we conceded within fifteen minutes. Now my theory of that is is that, you know, we go out there in the first half full of energy, full of passion, full of intensity, that team's gonna get out of that half. So that's why we had that stat. Now we're kind of tailing off from that. When we're not seeing it anymore. There we go. Right, but for the last ten or so minutes, lads, I'm just going to go through some messages that we got from uh, from. Uh, I'm going to say our fans because we can say that eh? some supporters of the uh, the our new podcast audience. Yeah, as we've been so. I mean, we have attracted a bit of attention in this pub. Um, there's some random guy sat at the end of the table now. I've got a clue who he is. <laughs> but no, uh, we've we attracted. We, look, that's something we'll look at doing in the future. Let's see how it goes, but. Um, but definitely something to consider. Right, let's go for the first one. I'm going to go through them in sort of order um, of when they were sent in. Jake Myers, who is never uh, scared to say his opinion, aren't you, Jake? Right, thank you for your message. Given the start to the season, uh, what should Pompey fans consider to be a decent finish come May? Jeff, you said, what, eighth, you eighth. said. What about you, Ryan? I, I would say a single-digit finish. So that, that's ninth and above. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna. I don't say. think we'll, get, you know, again, I think we're finishing nine through sixteen, probably. If you want me to be more specific, nine through twelve, but yeah, something like that. <laughs> okay, right. Uh, this is from Edmund. I think some, a serious issue that needs to be discussed is uh, how stupidly tight some of the players' shorts are. No wonder they can't run. <laughs> it it does, didn't stop, you know, Usain Bolt, did it? <laughs> I think one that um, you could refer to there is Ronan Curtis because. Sometimes his, his socks are over his knees, his shorts, so you can't even see them. I mean, I, 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 it's image, I can't it? uh, profess that in my analysis of games and research, <laughs> I haven't truly measured the aerodynamics of Ronan Curtis's uh, <laughs> chunks of meat. You've, you've caught me out there, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I've I've been, been, of I've all the like, comments coming up next, <laughs> I've been eyeing Ronan's uh, legs up, and I'm sorry. Uh, right, this one's from Stephen Fisher. Look, I'm not proofreading these, so if they're controversial, they're controversial. For the first episode, there's a lot of talk about attacking overhaul in January. What makes anyone think it's actually going to happen? Considering we need to shift some players, we couldn't shift in the summer. I think we've already pretty much spoken about this. The same players who've done nothing make it more likely anyone will come in for them. Wow. I think the collapse of the Jacobs deal late on in the window, the sort of rumoured moves of Harrison to Sheffield Wednesday and Plymouth Argyle both picked up steam but both collapsed yep. obviously those two themselves I believe they take up about 9 to 10 grand's worth of wage well that's a huge chunk to bring in extra players those collapses in truth in defence of whomever at the club didn't help but that once again whenever they go that, that's going to be a huge boon to Pompey's ambitions but it certainly it certainly harshed us the, the way that those deals collapsed we yeah. were just hamstrung with them you are and, and like I said earlier you, you've either got to pay them off but that comes out your first team budget or you, you hope someone comes in but who realistically is going to come in for them yeah. you're either looking at top non-league teams or a team lower down in league two that, that needs experienced players to keep them up and are they going to want to spend money oh, exactly uh, Jack's on uh, Twitter as well this one I, I, I'm not surprised to see this because I've seen this question asked several times uh, it says talk about John Marquez and how he's completely different to how he was at Doncaster and like, I've spoken to some Doncaster fans all friends um, I've got some uh, Doncaster friends that I met um, 
Uh, where was I? I was in Turkey. Do you remember that time we beat them? Harris oh, scored that. Yeah, yeah. Last, that that was absolutely brilliant. I, I, I nearly got kicked out of the hotel. I was screaming. I was r- running around the hotel singing, uh, singing my heart out. It was great. Have you heard what's playing right now? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, you'll never walk alone. Um, <laughs> Have you got any Mike Holfield? <laughs> um, but yeah, Ryan. I mean, they, 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 they've all said it. He, he, he got the service there, but again, he'd, he'd need at least six or seven chances to convert one. Six or seven chances to convert one. Ultimately, one of the main reasons why Doncaster created so many chances during his tenure was the, uh, the ever-green, the ever-present threat of James Coppinger. He was yeah. one of the players that you'd always want to try and double mark. And if you couldn't double mark him, he would make something happen with the ball. That's why the, his longevity in the football career was appreciated right to the end because even at age whatever he was when he retired last season he was still bang he was still banging the old goal he was still a threat one of the things that Pompey always has always wrestled with was who is the the player that goes behind Marquis who is the guy that supports him who is the guy that is a constant threat that creates chances for him the answer is nobody Jeff we've Harris not, we, <laughs> we've not filled that gap since Gary Roberts and yeah. obviously if you double mark a guy like Coppinger that probably leaves one of your other attacking players I know. outside I know with the space to get there Ben Thompson but, <laughs> and it begins but, or it know, resumes it's, it's a valid point you know we've, most Pompey fans says you know he's a 1-5 and 1-6 and six striker but the wingers and, and the, whoever's playing in that advanced role all the midfield players have got to create those six chances for him to score. So if he's only getting two chances a game, yes, we Pompey fans give Marquis a load of grief and everything else, but I think they need to look at the players behind him and say, you're not creating enough. You're in that, you know, we talked about Harness earlier, you think he's going to square it and he takes another touch. You know, like, just release it early or, or whatever. It's, yeah, I get the frustration, but it's not just down to him. I think the other thing with that, though, is while Marquis is probably a 1-5, and 1-6 and six striker, for teams who probably sit mid-table, you can accept that. But a football season is 46 games long. It's 4,140 minutes to get promoted. How do you, he's not even got any notes in front of him. To he's get, just come out with promo- that. <laughs> <laughs> to get promoted, you need to be better than, you know, 21 of 23 other sides in the division but you're still getting that, double figures that is our gargantuan <laughs> I'd love to live in Ryan's head for just, a, a just five minutes that is a gargantuan task a Herculean effort over the course of nine, ten months what to get what a bloody promoted. word where does that come from you need to be you need to have strikers and players across the field who are more efficient than that because if you make one mistake that's one point less than your title rival and as we saw in League 2 goal difference is what made us champions sometimes it is that one mistake that changed it. We're seeing those mistakes happen from guys like Marcus yeah. in every single game. Sometimes you can't get away with it for one game and it's and, over. And again, but you look at that League Two side, they all, you know, the attacking quartet or whatever, all scored double figures. Exactly. They all did it. So, so that's what this Pompey team needs. I think, like, going back to what I just said earlier, yes, Marcus gets all the bunt of frustration, but the other players need to chip in as well. Yeah, 100%. I think, yeah, sometimes the focus is too singularly on one player in terms of are they the answer. I think we've got too many players who distinctly are not the answer. Yeah, let's be honest. That's why we need to get to next summer. It is frustrating to watch John Marcus, but you are right. He doesn't get the service. But let's move on from that. We could talk a whole hour about that as well. But here's a great one uh, from Pompey Dog, also known as Mark. 
everywhere around the UK, around us in the UK, censorship seems to be taking hold. First the BBC, now local radio stations. Are we living through a cultural shift to a new age, which uh, the free uh, the free press are gagged? Could the three lads remind us again why a free press, uh, a, sorry, a free press are important to everyone, fans, club directors, players, etc. And with that in mind, what would you say to Michael Eisner if he was the fourth lad at the table? I would say get the next round in, Michael. I, I, I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to break protocol. I know this is not what we agreed at the start of the podcast. I'm well, going to question. break protocol and spill the ugly truth of this football club. Number one, the problem with Portsmouth Football Club is, and that's the issue, right? Wait, have I just been redacted? Let's go to the outtakes. Staying in there. We've all talked about it in the background, you know, before coming coming doing this. You know, integrity is a big word. And, and, and integrity is about doing the right thing when people aren't looking. I'll tell you what, Liam's eyes. <laughs> I know. He had the look of he shock on his face. Ryan. He's like, no. Do you no. know what? When we used to do Pompey Live, I used to, when Ryan used to say something like, you know, sort of uh, borderline, I'd look at him like, with a, like, no, Ryan, what are you doing? We just carried on. Please, <laughs> <laughs> that's what people want to hear. You just want to say it, yeah, say it how it is. Ryan, where's Ryan's been? Ryan's been whisked away. Where's he gone? He's <laughs> <laughs> been muffled into the back of a van. <laughs> right. Uh, let's see. If there's uh, there's any more. We'll wrap up in a set, lads. But uh, well, here we go. Chris Overthrow. Yes. Go on, Chris. Uh, <laughs> we love you, Chris. We do. Right. This is you, Jeff. If you could change three things about the club right now, that's a good question. If you could change three things about the club right now, what would they be? This is like blind date, isn't it? Uh, and what would the order of your, uh, would you? What order would you prioritise them? Where Tell me three I, things about yourself, Jeff. Where, where, where do we start? I, th- I think um, the whole match day experience needs to be better. You know, I, I joked on on Twitter the other month we were sold the Disney Disney uh, dream. We end up with Peggy from Heidi High, um, and uh, <laughs> you, you know, I think I think the whole. The whole match day experience, the the you know the the playing squad needs to be better, and I think the comms gam- coming out of the club needs to be better as well. Like no disrespect to Mark uh, to Andrew Cullen, I hope this, I hope they do more regular updates. But yeah. the, the updates of Mark Catlin are brilliant. Yeah, you know, and, and, and you know, I've I've spoken to to Andy Cullen several times. You know, I've I feel sorry for him. He's had an absolute nightmare only in the first few months he, of doing it. He has, he has, but <laughs> you know, he 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 can only. He only knows what he knows and can only deal with the issues that he knows about. Um, and I think he generally is addressing those. We just need to give him a break. You know, he, he's new into the role. He, 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 yes, it is a big club. You know, he goes back to talk about MK Dons and Norwich, who he's got vast experience. Um, we just need to give him some time to, to assess the situation. And I'd hope by February, March, he, he would have done that. And 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 I, and I know he's quite keen to to do those Mark Catlin type interviews and everything else. Yeah. My three, number one, uh, negotiation process. It seems far too apparent that in the last few years Pompey have uh, pussyfooted around negotiation of player contracts, transfer sales. The number one most important thing to this club is whoever is negotiating contracts especially for incoming players you need to be a stone cold killer because again it's not just you out there looking for players to to be a difference maker at your football club some of those players that you're looking at you've got other 
great historic iconic football clubs in the same division Sunderland Ipswich Charlton Sheffield Wednesday looking for the same signatures you've got to be a stone cold killer to attract a player to a football club clearly with the amount of players we've missed out on in recent years we we dance around the issue we force the you know the other players hands the other agents hand far too much and they go I've got a better offer elsewhere uh, with a club that seemed to actually want me here I'm going that way. Ban the news from reporting on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Communications. Yeah. Now, whether or not you like Andy Holt, because he's got some very strong opinions on football and the way it should be financially run, I think for the most part, I like what he's on about. I disagreed with the way he uh, wanted to implement a salary cap on the league. I support a salary cap. I just don't support his version of it. But he says the issues, both positive and negative, of his football club in the most open way possible. Darren McAntony, again, quite an arrogant, uh, self-righteous owner of Peterborough. <laughs> but again, he speaks... Stopped himself there, didn't he? He Pete. speaks plainly <laughs> with the absolute best interest of his football club at heart. He speaks real talk to real people that support that football club. Yeah. For goodness sake, Pompey, drop oh, the PR. There's the, how, the slap are, on the these table. These are real people. These are people that, for all of their goddamn working lives, have had to put up with office speak and PR speak from their bosses. All they want is salt-of-the-earth talk that makes sense. Drop the PR and you will gain the respect of every person on this island. That's number two. Number three, win more goddamn football games. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Cheers, lads. Uh, Right, we're going to finish on this one. This is past my bedtime now. Uh, Gavin Reid, a topic uh, suggestion. Why do a lot of ex-players... This is a good question. Why do a lot of ex-players seem to do well and thrive after leaving Pompey, but when they're playing for Pompey, no good? I think it's the expectations and the pressure of playing at Fatman. 100%. 100%. I have to agree. You know, again, I said it the other day, the fans have a duty to get the players fired up and the players need to get the fans on their feet. And when those two things marry up, Fratton Park is an unstoppable force. When you have a disconnect from the fans to the club, it gets it gets nasty. And players hide away and players shrink. And then when they come out that environment, you know, like we talked about earlier, they can go from playing in front of 18,000 to 5,000. And all of a sudden, the expectation on them is different. Because they may have gone to a team that are settling for 10 through to 16. Um, you know, and, and they haven't got that that fierce backing behind them or, or they haven't got that those angry fans in front of them. Um, and I just think it's expectation and pressure. You know, there was a player inside Paul Downing somewhere to play for the likes of Blackburn and everyone well, else. You know. and, and he comes to us and what happened to him? What happened to... You yeah. know, he was given a three-year contract. There's definitely a player there and his confidence He was meant gone. to be the Matt Clark replacement. He's, he's well, I was, I was, I was so well, not excited, but I was, I was chuffed when we signed him because from what I've read about him and seen about him, he's a class. He played for Blackburn. Exactly. Uh, they loaned him out to Doncaster for half a year. They loved he, him at Doncaster. He was a mainstay in the defence that went to the playoff semi-finals against Charlton, yeah. and I believe they were in a uh, quite an exhilarating penalty shootout to go to the final. So he was, you know, essentially a penalty kick away from a playoff final at Wembley. Yeah. We signed him, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, yeah, let's leave it at that. <laughs> have you seen this man? Yeah. But that's uh, happened to so many players, though. Far just got lost, yeah. I, I think one of the main players, uh, one of the key examples of it didn't happen here, but it happened everywhere else, Sonny Bradley. Mm. Yeah. Sonny Bradley. I don't, as, I, 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 as I, defensively bald everywhere he's gone, 
but he shows up at Pompey and it was Ben Chorley vibes. I don't particularly like Sonny Bradley on a personal note. Um, he, he came to Tiger Tiger once and um, didn't like what I was playing so he stuck his finger up at me so he could do one really. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you play anyone's songs? In, in well I was playing um, I was playing Casey in the Sunshine Band Give It Up you know when we had Patrick Adjaman it was when he was playing and there was all the oh, there was Pompey fans that are singing along to it Sonny Bradley walks in gives me the finger and walks out just you haven't got a song about you mate he's jealous isn't he what a player Patrick Adjaman was as well oh, by the way right lads um, come to the end it's been an absolute pleasure for the first episode um, I think we should uh, raise a glass there you go that's the episode one yeah thank you very much <laughs> yeah lads been a pleasure and onwards and upwards up the blue sign Ben Thompson uh, oh was- no <laughs> <laughs> he had to didn't he I refrained from saying anything right lads thank you very much we'll see you in episode two Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.